Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. I believe we're up to the third paragraph of the Shema. Eventually, we will loop back and ask, how does this fit in with the first and second paragraph of the Shema? So we'll have a chance to loop back. But uh, we, we d- dwelled in the second paragraph for so long. I'd like to go on. Okay. Third paragraph of the Shema now for something completely different. So as we read this paragraph, you know, some questions we'll get to is, we, we will get to, like, when and how did this get to be part of the Shema? I want you to think about why is this part of the Shema? Okay. And I want you to think about um, how does it fit in after the first and second paragraph, which we probably won't get to talk about today. And please note, the first two paragraphs of the Shema are from Sefer Dvarim, Deuteronomy. Okay. And they are in some sequential order, meaning the first paragraph does come in Deuteronomy before the second paragraph. But... Um, Vayomer, the third paragraph, is from Bemidbar, Numbers. From, so it's from another book of the Bible entirely. So that then really raises questions about how did this get attached to the Shema and what is its link to the other two paragraphs. Without further ado, Vayomer Hashem el Moshe Lemor, God commanded Moses saying, speak to Bnei Yisrael and say to them, Ve'asu lahem tzitzit. This is, ve'asu means, and they shall make, but it's they shall in command form. Okay, meaning command them to make tzitzit with no explanation as to what that means. So the assumption is that Moses knows what the word tzitzit means and what B'nai Israel know, and B'nai Israel know what the word tzitzit means. Um, it seems to mean fringe or tassel. That is how it is usually translated. Uh, so they should make a fringe <clears throat> or a tassel on the corners of their clothes for all, ge- for all generations meaning this is not just a commandment to the door Hamid Bar to the people in the desert but this is a commandment to the Israelites moving forward through history <clears throat> so um, and we'll, we'll pause I think not yet, to ask what is this fringe or tassel, but it seems to mean fringe or tassel. Um, in one of, in some of Ezekiel's visions, the prophet Ezekiel, when there's an angel who prophetically or magically transports him in his vision from Babylonia to Jerusalem and then back again, um, the angel... Uh, grabs Yechezkel bitzitzit roshi with the fringe of my head, which seems to mean he like, you know, pulls him by the hair somehow magically through the air, which would hurt us if it happened in real life. But because it's a prophetic vision, uh, Ezekiel doesn't say ouch or anything like that. So the word that's used for that is also tzitzit. Okay. I imagine that as being like, you know, something over here, but I don't really know. It doesn't say, but it's clear then that it's a lock of hair. So tzitzit is also used to mean a lock of hair. So it seems to mean a stringy wisp of something. And that's how it gets interpreted to mean it's understood as fringe or tassel. 
So they should make a, let's say, let's say a tassel on the corner of their clothes. Does that mean a tassel? Does that mean one tassel on a corner of their clothes? Does that mean a tassel on each corner of their clothes? How many corners do their clothes have? So we know that by Talmudic times, this is interpreted to be that um, people wore a four-cornered garment, so they would put a tassel on each of the four corners. Okay, but I just want to point out that the text, ex- the text itself doesn't exactly specify. So a tassel on the corner or a tassel on each corner. And they should place on the tassel of the corner a patil of techelet. Patil seems to mean string. Um, other uses of the word patil in the Bible. Uh, it also means wick in the menorah. So the menorah burned on oil and it had a patil in it, what we would say the wick. Also, the Kohen Gadol wore a golden diadem on his forehead. You can look at me. It's a visual. It was like this. It was a flat piece of gold on which was engraved Kodesh Lashem, holy to God. And it was kind of a frontlet diadem. Imagine like a long, low rectangle. And it was tied around his head with a patil. Okay. With a patil to chelet. Okay. With a blue, there we would translate it as a cord. Okay. So on every corner of their clothes, sorry, on the corner of their garments, they're supposed to put a, they're, they're supposed to make a tassel. And on that tassel or in that tassel, they should place a blue thread. It's kind of the simplest way of translating it. Um, and again, these are not, you know, tzitzit, patil. They are not super common words in the Bible. They're fairly unusual. And I'm going through all this in some detail because um, I think to think about this paragraph, we have to really slow down. It's one of those things where, you know, we've speed read through it so many times and it's so familiar, whether you do it in Hebrew or in English, that we kind of assume that we know what everything means. And um, I think we actually make it less familiar by slowing down and asking, what does this actually mean? Right? So put a tap, put a tap, put a fringe or a tassel on the corner of their clothes and put on that fringe or in that fringe of the corner, a blue cord or a blue thread. We usually translate tchelet as blue. Um, We have no idea what it really looked like. Uh, um, Rabbinic tradition says that tchelet was made from a special dye that then disappeared. And this is generally understood to be the dye of the murex, something or other. I can't remember. People have written about it now. It was a sea, I don't know, was it a mollusk? I'm not quite sure. Sea mollusk, something with a shell, which was crushed and its shell yielded a dye, which yeah. dyed clothes a sort of purple blue indigo. This was probably the source of the purple dye that Roman royalty used um, 
to indicate that they were royal in ancient Rome. It was illegal to wear clothes dyed with this if you were not uh, a certain level of, of nobility. I don't know a lot about that, but, you know, that's what I've read. Avi? Yeah. What does Hakanaf mean? Corner. What, oh, oh. And it's a bird. It means wing. And in the context of clothing, it seems to mean corner, on the corner. Yeah. Avi? Bernie? Uh, in some of the menchag, some of the services that I uh, have been, you know, we kiss the kiss the friend. You're ahead of me. You're way ahead. Way ahead. Weeks. You're weeks. You're months ahead. I don't know. I hope (laughs) months ahead. Maybe a week ahead. Or okay, but at least minutes ahead. Okay. So hold on to your question because there are many different minhagim about this. Okay. We think we know what the minhag is, but actually there are different customs about what to do with the tzitzit during this paragraph. Um, so the command is, make this tassel on your corner. They should make tassel on their corner and attach to that tassel a, bl- uh, a techelet thread. Avi, are you talking about techelet later on or only now? Uh, later on, yeah. So just, but just to introduce it, it seems to be some blue, indigo, purple color, which later generations in rabbinic times, interpreted that it was from this special dye, okay, which was not common. By the way, the, the way, the reason Roman royalty or nobility wore it is because just as with, you know, our fancy products, it was expensive. So the fact that you could afford it showed that you were rich and the murex was uh, overfished and went uh, almost extinct. And so the the mysteries of tchelet making, the tradition of tchelet making disappeared, certainly by Talmudic times. And we know that it's uh, made a comeback in modern times. There are people in Israel who've, who've grown it up and now you can purchase tzitzit that has a fringe of blue. Does anyone in, in our Hollywood squares at the moment wear a tzitzit that has a patil tchelet on it? Marshall, Marshall bought his tzitzit. So you can buy tzitzit nowadays that have that. Larry? I don't have it. I just wanted to mention my dentist, our dentist in Jerusalem, Ari Greenspan, is one of the people who specialize in this area, and he actually sells the tzitzit with techelet. Right. And you can go online, you know, just do a web search for techelet or murex, M-U-R-E-X, and there are articles about this. I think there's a book about this. Um, It's part of, I I would call it, uh, Israeli, I don't mean this as a criticism. Sometimes I mean this as a criticism. But in this case, I don't mean this as a criticism. It's part of Israeli post-1967 post nationalistic restoration, right? All that was lost from the glorious past can be recaptured um, and should be recaptured. And so reviving... Uh, both the literal, um, Bailan, have a good day. Both the literal, um, trelet, the, the literal, the worm, okay, um, as well as the trelet process, um, has become a thing in Israel. Probably, I'm going to say the last, I don't know when these trelet fridges started appearing, maybe about 20 years ago, give or take. Larry, do you know when? What does the dentist say? How long have we been having Tchelet for in modern times? I feel like saying 20 years, but I don't really know. Well, he was our dentist in the early 1990s, 
and he was already uh, well in in business. Thirty years. Yeah. Right. Thirty years. Anyway. Okay. Onwards. Okay. So v'hayalachem litzitzit, which is an odd phrase because it's it it literally means, and this should be your fringe, but the Torah just described the fringe, so it could mean this is then your fringe, uritemoto, and you should either see it or look at it, uzchartem et kol mitzvot Hashem vasitemotam, and and remember all the commandments of God and do them. So this is, again, I want us to pause. This is quite curious. It's saying, you'll make this thing on your garment. And it seems to suggest that the purpose of the thing on the garment is to remember all of the mitzvot. So when we, when we dig a little deeper into this, we'll ask, why in the world would that be the case? Why would seeing either a fringe or a blue thread in the fringe remind you of all of the mitzvot? Could give him lots of other things to remind you of all of the mitzvot. So we'll ask that question. Uh, Michael, if, if you're giving us an answer, I don't want that answer now. Right now, we're only raising questions. Do you, have a, do you have a question or you want to add to the question? No. Okay. So again, I'm trying on purpose to read this with fresh eyes and see what... Uh, 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 it's a strange passage which raises all kinds of questions if we slow down to interrogate it. Rabbi Shai Held, who teaches at Yeshivat Hadar in New York, when he teaches Psalms to Helim, he says, the best way to study Psalms is however slowly you read Hebrew, read slower. Okay? Hmm. So I'm trying to say, let's slow it down. It's not Psalms. Let's slow it down to just sort of think about, like, what does this mean? So, and... Uraitemocho, I want to point out, grammatically could be a commandment. So it could mean look at it and command and remember all God's commandments. Or it could be look at it, command form, so that you will, right? So it could be that only Uraitemocho is a command and Uzhartem is the, I don't know, whatever they call it, the correlative or what's going to happen next look at it so that you will remember, or it could all be predictive. It could mean when you look at it, when you see it, you will remember. So it could either be a command form, or it could be not a command form. It could just be kind of a future predictive. Does everyone get that distinction? So it could either be command, look at the tzitzit, and remember three possibilities. Number one, look at the tzitzit and the, the people who are listening to the podcast can't see me pointing my finger at you, <laughs> right? Look at the tzitzit finger pointing and remember all of God's commandments finger pointing or look at the tzitzit finger pointing so that you will remember all God's commandments or when you look at the tzitzit, you will remember all of God's commandments. Not a command, right? But you're going to be wearing this garment, um, when are you supposed to wear the garment? The paragraph doesn't say all the time, certain times. In the rabbinic sources, it gets into a discussion of only when you wear a four-cornered garment, but not when you don't wear a four-cornered garment. That's the origin of origin of our custom of talit and tzitzit, because once clothing styles changed and people no longer wore four-corner four garments, the rabbi said, well, the way to 
keep this is you make sure that you wear a four-cornered garment so that you can fulfill the commandment of tzitzit. Uh, has anyone seen these basketball shirts? I love the, the Frum boys now, the yeshiva boys, the modern Orthodox yeshiva boys in LA. Uh, someone has designed a, a basketball shirt, you know, like a basketball undershirt with, with corners in it so that they can wear their tzitzit while they're playing basketball. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking That's like an undershirt. It's an exercise undershirt. It's black, I think, the one I've seen. And it's cut uh, on the seat, the lower part, you can't see, but the lower part, sort of close to the waist and the thigh, is cut up a few inches so that it's like an undershirt that you cut the last four to six inches of from the bottom so that it now has four corners and has tzitzit in it. And that's what they wear when they uh, play basketball up the block from me, some of the uh, guys. And I understand it's like some some Eula or or um, Shalhevet kid from Beverly Wood who actually designed this basketball undershirt with tzitzit. Um, Harvey, so- I have a quick question. Okay. Um, it's regarding or item uschartem. Where you're a little ahead of me. Could you hold off? Well, go ahead. Ask your question. Maybe you're ahead of me. Maybe not. Go ahead, Vered. Um, it's on the first line you just said. So no, my I know question that. is, yeah. My yeah. question is, yeah. Why can't you read it simply as a reversing vav and put it in the future? Yeah. You will see it when you will see it. Yeah. That so that I guess I'm just saying that's one of the possibilities. One of the possibilities is when you see it, you will. This will yeah. happen. Right. Okay. But the other possibility is that it's a commandment. All right. Okay. Yeah. So, so for example, um, uh, the Shulchan Aruch says, the Code of Jewish Law says that when you say this line, I didn't want to get now into all the mean hagim of tzitzit. I'll just mention this one. When you say this line, you are supposed to look at your tzitzit, meaning when you're mm-hmm. actually reciting Shema, right? You shouldn't be, and you say this uritemoto, even if you're looking at the sidur, or even if you're davening with eyes closed, or even if you're looking out the window, you're supposed to actually look at the tzitzit. And, and some people have seen like Sephardim and Mizrahim have a minhag to sort of, you know, pass the tzitzit over their eyes at that moment, you know, touch it to their eyelid, which I always get a kick out of because when you touch it to your eyelid, you can't actually see the tzitzit <laughs> because your, your eye is closed. But so there are various minhagim about the eye. So it's either, again, could be when this happens, when you see it, this will happen, or commandment, you must look at it. Right, which is why the Shulchan Aruch says the minhag is when you say or itemoto, you need to fulfill the commandment by actually looking at it. Right. Otherwise, you're saying when you, you know, there's a, a sort of a very bad irony. Right. The Torah is saying when you look at it, you'll remember God's commandments, but I'm not looking at it, even though it's right there in my hand, even though it's right there on me. Meyer. Um, I've always, uh, I'm, I've generally read this thinking about it in the singular and realizing now that it's not <laughs> the singular, which makes yeah. me wonder what the you means, right? In the sense of w- 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 to what degree is this a communal thing is what I'm wondering. Right. Well, could could you imagine that it would be a communal thing? It would be hard to imagine it would be a communal thing, right? Because if, if, if everybody's wearing seat, seat and yeah, I saw you no, no, seat, no. seat, but it's the whole community, but it's still every individual. It's then a commandment to the whole community. But you're, I think, you're suggesting that it then creates a community of people, 
even though obviously it's fulfilled by the individual because a garment is not worn by the group, a garment is worn by an individual. I think you're suggesting that if everyone in the community is wearing this kind of garment, Meyer, is that what you're suggesting? Well, not only that, but also when you say even the consequences, right? If you keep the commandments and stray, et cetera, it's not necessarily just an individual thing. It's a communal thing. Right. So you're connecting it back a little bit to second paragraph. Although, again, I, I do want to point out that there isn't a consequence here, I think. Sorry, there's no punishment consequence. There is a consequence of what, what's going to happen when you look at this blue fringe, which we'll get to in a moment. Okay. So you look at it and you remember. So there's a, I'm going to call it a physicality to it, looking, okay? And looking, which is a physical act, leads to a mental act, remembering or be aware, be aware of, okay? Of all of God's mitzvot, and you will do them, right? So you'll look, it's, it's three steps, right? You'll look at it, you'll think about it, and this will lead to fulfillment, okay? Um, here's the consequence. Vilo, so that, vilo taturu, acharei levavchem v'acharei enechem, asher atem zonim achareihem, and you will not, latur is a, not a common word, it seems to mean to stray or wander, okay? It has a traveling sort of metaphor to it. You will not, let's, let's say wander uh, after your heart, which again means your mind, not wander after your thoughts and feelings or after your eyes, which you, I'm going to put a might in here for better translation, which you might politely, we would say, go astray after. Although, although the more common meaning of Zoneh in biblical Hebrew would mean which you whore after, W-H-O-R-E, okay? Because that's the usual meaning of Zoneh or Zonah, okay? So that you will not wander after your hearts and after your eyes, which you might whore after. That's pretty weird. That's pretty strong. Um, now, I want to point out that in terms of the order of things, first in the, in the command... We had looking and then um, remembering. Okay, so we had the visual. I'm going to call it an action in quotes, even though, you know, you may not be moving when you're seeing anything, but I'm going to call it physical, right? So we have the looking, and that will lead to remembering um, or consciousness. And then here we have the opposite, so that you will not go after what you're thinking and what you're seeing. So either you could just say, oh, it's a, uh, what do they call it again? A chiasm, right? A-B-B-A, right? Uh, Looking, thinking, thinking, looking. Looking. Everyone got what I said? Thinking, Mm -hmm. looking. So literally, I then repeat it in backwards order. Thinking, sorry. Looking, thinking, thinking, looking. Or... Um, you might, that, that's just a way of saying, oh, it, it's just literary. There's no particular meaning to the choice of order. Um, or you could dig into the meaning and 
probably have a nice sermon or several nice sermons about what the process of going astray and what keeps you from going astray. Uh, now we're going ahead of where I wanted to be today, but you know, it could be something about um, you look at some reminder and this changes your consciousness. Okay. And what God is worried about the going astray is somehow your consciousness is changed and then you're going to start looking. We would think I was, you, you would think about it. If I just asked you, what is this, you know, it, and we know it's supposed to be about, you know, we've inherited interpretations about Avodazara, idol worship. And we'd say, well, they would look at something and then they would be led astray by their eyes. But I want to point out that the order is actually reversed, right? It's first you would think a particular thing and then your eyes would lead you astray. So it's something about the mental mindset that allows your eyes to lead you astray. Did everyone follow that sequence? So then the sequence in the sentence might be, look at the tzitzit, right? To remember all of God's mitzvot and do them. And then you will be in a mindset, mind comes first, consciousness comes first, that you will not wander because of what your eyes see. Everyone follow that, right? So either you could just say it's ABBA because it's literary, or you could say, well, is there a reason that the order of thinking and looking is reversed in the, the consequence or the correlate of what you do? So I'm sure you, could, you all could think of, we could think of more sermons about that, but let's just, I just want to point out that the order is reversed. And this whoring, uh, uh, let's see, by the way, in our English, uh, that's interesting. In our English, our translator wants the first verb, taturu, to go to govern levavchem, and the second verb, zonim, to govern eyes. So nice English, seduced by your heart, nor led astray by your eyes, but that's not exactly how the Hebrew flows. I just want to point that out. And he gets whoring in there by having it be seduced. Now, another sermon, which many of you have heard many times, um, on Parshat Shlach Lecha, uh, in, in, which is, so this paragraph, uh, do I want to say this now? We only have five minutes left. Um, yeah. So this paragraph, this has to do with Taturu, which is an unusual word. This paragraph is the last aliyah of Parshat Shlach Lecha, the Parsha that tells about the spies. And one of the other very few places in the Bible where that, that verb appears is in the beginning of the aliyah, where Moshe sends the spies out and he commands them that their mission is Latur at Eretz Canaan. So they are supposed to tour or wander or travel through the land of Canaan. So it's, it's, it's too much to imagine that it's coincidence that um, this unusual biblical word appears at the beginning of the Parsha and the end of the Parsha. So, and there are many sermons that have been made about why is that, you know, because of course, how were the spies led astray? What led them astray by their eyes? Because what did they see? 
the inhabitants, I, I, they were very big. And then that changed their consciousness that, that made them, then we felt like grasshoppers. They were big and scary. So we feel like grasshoppers. So their eyes led them astray. Now, there are so many paragraphs in between the spy story and the tzitzit paragraph, right? Um, so whether this is intentional on the part of the biblical author or not, uh, whatever, I'm sort of putting, putting that out there. Um, and Bamidbar in general, just a footnote, as a book of the Bible has a really difficult to follow um, trajectory of story and then some laws and then there's a story and there's some laws and there are literary critics of the Bible who have written about um, why is there this sequence in Bamidbar? It seems sometimes kind of random. Um, if anyone wants to dig deeper into this, Mary Douglas, the anthropologist, has a whole book on Bamidbar in which she writes, she has a whole theory about why is this particular sequence of story and law and story and law and why these stories and why these laws it's a very imaginative, she makes it a whole necklace thing. Um, and the immediate story right before this passage in Parshat Shlach Lecha is about the person, the man who went out and gathered wood on Shabbat. And Moses said, what should we do with him? And God said, he should be stoned to death. And then he was stuck. And then the congregation stoned him to death. And then, Vayomer Hashem el Moshe Okay, so why this particular sequence? So although on the one hand, it does come at the end of the Parsha that's about the spies. On the other hand, there are other intervening. There's, there's other laws that are given after the spy stories about sacrifice and separating challah, dough offering when you bake, break bread. And then there's another story about the wood gatherer. Um, and then there's the tzitzit Parsha. So I'm not going to go further into that because it's like a, you know, whole long thing that would take us far afield. But I just want to point out the placement of it in the Midbar is it makes you say like what in its original place? Why is this paragraph here? And then it goes on. By the way, what what's the parsha after Shlach? Anyone remember? No. Korach. So then it immediately, right after this paragraph, goes into the story of Korach. So, of course, you could make up a story about the wood gatherer and Korach were somehow led astray. So uh, uh, you can you can come up with a reason, um, but it's not at all obvious why this paragraph is where it is. So I just mentioned the thing about Taturu, because the Taturu Latour is also in the story of the spies, which seems to make an obvious link to the spies somehow. Vered? Um, I always understood Taturu as a, as a metaphor, but in Hebrew, the verb Latur has to do with touring. In with modern Hebrew. Hebrew. In modern Hebrew. Modern Hebrew. Right. Modernity. Yes. Right. right. And so, you know, when you tour, let's say you sit in a bus or you walk, so your eyes are wandering around. Yeah. It's like the same idea. Okay. Like your eyes are looking at the tzitzit and the ptil, and you remember, oh, I've seen it. I've been here once, many years ago. So it's kind of a metaphoric thing to use this verb here. That's my point. Okay, good. And it's interesting, by the way, I said in modern Israeli, it means to tour. 
Yes. Whereas with the spies in the Bible, that's also kind of what it means. Moshe, exactly. we're going to a land. Yes. We don't know anything. I'm sending you out to uh, scout it out. Look around. Okay. Tell us what's there. We, we've never been there. Tell, right. Tell us what's there. So it's clear that looking is an important part of it. And then what's clear, and then this gets into something deeper. I don't, we don't have time to go into it today. We'll talk about it in the next couple of weeks that there's the paragraph seems to suggest, well, there's looking and there's looking. Okay. So looking at the tzitzit can cause you to be conscious of God's mitzvot, but following where your eyes stray to can lead you astray. Okay. So looking can be a good kind of looking that directs you to the, the, the right, I'm going to put it place metaphorically, because it's not actually a physical place, right? But looking can also lead you to a bad place. Do this kind of looking so that your consciousness is shaped this way, as opposed to that kind of looking, which is referred to, which will lead to zonim, right? Very, very strong word for going astray. It's not like to sin. It's like a, a very, a very pungent word. Larry? That's what I wanted to talk about is zonim. I wasn't sure you actually had gotten to zonim, and you use the word astray, which is a translation in our <clears throat> in our Sidur. But Alter's clear. He uses the word whoring. Which I said. I said that word. Yes. Did I say right. that word? I said that word. While you were looking for the book, I said the word. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. So again, it's it's a strong, strong word. Okay. And had the Bible, you know, by the way, in Deuteronomy. It always says, you know, do all the mitzvot so that you will not stray. That word is usually lasur with a samech. So there are gentler words for straying, right? So that you will not stray. There are other ways in biblical Hebrew of saying that. Zonim, whoring, is a very, very, very powerful word. That's true. Okay. I just want to let it hang there. Meyer? I was just going to point out that the Saratem just we just used in the previous paragraph. Right. In Deuteronomy, and that would be Deuteronomy's. I'm not saying, but we have it right there in the Shema. We're using Correct. two different expressions, which are are, and ultimately, they're you would think that they're they're meant to convey different things. Yes, because they're they're different words. Terry, maybe last word. I don't know. Avi, you asked me to let you know uh, when I finished my Machberot that I've been taking notes in since uh-huh. more or less we started this process. Terry, I wonder sometimes, if I may interrupt, when was that? When did we start this process? So, uh, my notes, and I think it was a couple of weeks before this, but my notes start on 11, so November 12, 1913. Ooh, and my 13. second so notes seventh, on the seventh 19th anniversary. November seventh. were on the clock. Okay, go ahead. What yes. I say, and, and what I, and what did we say seven years ago? Wait. Well... We, we talked about the Shema reverence and seriousness. We talked about the Shulchan Aruch and, um, and we start, and we started with the first sentence aloud. That's what we did. Okay. So it's our seventh anniversary here in Sidor class. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're running over. I'm going to call one, time. One more thing. Yes. Let's go ahead. Terry. One more thing. Yeah. It, this is also the secular anniversary of Baruch's first year since he died. Got it. So was, was Hebrew, when was uh, Hebrew, Hebrew Yard site was last Monday, a week ago, right? Eight days ago? Yes, it was. Sunday that was night, for Monday. the first year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yehezichro Baruch. Amen. Amen. Which is always a great pun in his case. Um, so we did not make it through the first paragraph, and uh, we shall resume, God willing, next Tuesday. Everyone, have a great day. Great be class. Great to- Torah, and, and don't go astray. Okay. And is this every Tuesday? Is that right? Yes. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. For the last seven years, apparently, except when we take <laughs> off, which we do sometimes. Well, yeah. I'm going to be out for election day, but. But it's, all, back it's also recorded that. and it's on the website. Fantastic. Thank okay. you. All right. Everyone have a great day. Great class, Avi. Right. Thanks. Thanks. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.